0: Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. Uh, it was it was in uh, March of 2012 that my guest first appeared on Cooper Talk, and I don't know if I hit her up. I think I hit her up on uh, Facebook or whatever, and, and she's a comedy icon. You know, it's someone who did comedy. She was always awesome, and she agreed to do the show. And so she came to the studio in Burbank, and I remember she came in studio. And as we were wrapping up the episode, I found out my second guest had canceled. So she said, hey, can I hang out through the second hour? I was like, shit, this is a person act I love. Sure. And since then, I looked at my calendar. That was March 2012. She's done it in December 2014, December 2015. And the last time was January 2017. And we're going to talk about how much has gone on since that happened. It's been four years, over four years, but it seems like a millennial. Millennium. And my guest is Wendy Levin. How you doing, Wendy?
1: Oh, my God. Did I really uh, get on your... Did I ask to talk more?
0: You know, you said... I was like, oh, my God, because I remember I was walking in, and I think you were walking, and you got coffee, and you said, you know, and you came up and when we recorded the show... And then you said, well, I'll do the I'll do the next hour. And I was like, oh, cool, because as I said, you know, I didn't know you then. And I only knew you from your work. And the people, if you don't know who Wendy Liebman is, go to IMDb and look at all her TV credits. She has thousands of them and she has a Showtime special and uh, just a bunch of stuff. And you did it. And it was uh, it was great. And uh, I was like, this is really cool.
1: Wow. And then I, like, if you had asked me, Steve, when was the first time I did the show? Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. When was the first time I did the show? I would have said in the late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have no sense of time. The only way I know what day it is today is because it's set it on my pill caddy. <laughs> and um, huh? unless I forgot to take my pills yesterday, and then it's. The wrong day, and I'm on the wrong
0: show, and I could have scurvy. Did you know? It's funny you talk about the pill caddy because I, I have because I have to take pills for my heart and uh, my blood pressure, and I have one, and I take two of them at the same time, but ones one different one in the morning. So there's three and two. But if I the the a.m. and p.m. is starting to wear off, and I always forget which is blue and which is <laughs> pink, so I always have to look. And it's funny because during the Fourth of July weekend. Monday seemed like Sunday so I went to yes. take my pills and I go holy holy crap I, I missed I missed my pill
1: I've done that before and it's uh it's I think it's part of getting older like I am um 56 I'm 56 and now ever since I turned 56 I've been forgetting everything Steve like um like,
0: like that I'm 60. <laughs> well, it's funny. Okay. We have to go over what has happened since I've last talked to you. First of okay. all, you, Are have, you in a uh,
1: closet.
0: Yeah. Well, here's, here's what happened. Um, it's Joanne's condo. And when she moved, before she moved to LA with me, this was a closet, but her stepfather uh, took the door off and made it an office. So when we came back, I have a little desk here, and everyone always says, am I in a closet? And no lie, you can't see, listeners, but this is my arms. My arms are touching the wall, and I have the big hat rack behind me. And the hat rack was in the other area, but her mom gave her this beautiful armoire, this big thing. And so my hat rack got the toss from the living room and got stuck in here.
1: You're like, you're
0: the hat man. Exactly. So now, okay, since I, well, first of all, you have, tell me about the two new dogs, Gemma and, and what's the other one? I can't think.
1: Jackson.
0: Now tell me, because I know you had lost your dog and then you got a new, so how did these two dogs come into your life and did you, did you plan on adopting two in the beginning or was it just something that you saw them and went, we can't separate them or what happened?
1: So I never had a dog before I was in my 40s. I always had cats. And now now cats are out of the picture. I have had two, three dogs. And then when JJ, my Bichon poodle, died, he was so funny. Um, when he died, then I we took a break because I broke my leg. And so we didn't want dogs around and then we were like we need some dogs again it was over a year and we were thinking about getting a golden retriever and so Jeff my husband went online he says hi by the way um he went online and he saw a picture I don't know if it will come through if I show you the picture that we originally saw um here oh I happen to have it right here (laughs) That was the, oh, that okay. was the picture. So, right? So Jeff goes, that looks like a golden retriever, right? So then cut to a few months later, that's the same dog. Um, hold on, hold on. You can't see. I can it see it. No, you can't see what's happening. Um, she destroyed, I can't do this. She destroyed her bed. There you go. Can you see that? Yeah. It's a dog called Jindo, which is a Korean dog. And they were rescued from Korea from a meat market. They were going to be eaten. And the reason we got two is because when we went to this woman's house, the other one, Jackson, was all over us. And we were like, we can't leave him. So we got both of them. And I have to tell you, They are the highest fucking maintenance, can I swear on here? (laughs) They rule our life. And Jackson, they named him Jax. We changed it to Jackson, but they named him Jax because he always had the tennis ball with him. (laughs) Like, they thought Jackson balls. (laughs) But um, Gemma's kind, the one that I showed you, she's kind of on the spectrum. Like, I think she was kept in a cage and not, like, petted or anything because she's just weird but i love them so much i now, just want them to like me <laughs> Yeah, you know,
0: well, it's funny we we don't we don't have a dog uh and the the one of the main reasons is we we can't come to a happy median median or medium happy medium when i say median like a happy medium. it's like someone who sees things and <laughs> enjoys us we can't, we can't come to a happy medium because joanne is like I don't want on the furniture and i'm like well i'm not getting a dog if you can't jump up on the couch with me and so instead of having an argument with our marriage we just said "Well, because we're newlyweds even though we've been married for a year and a half but it was during a pandemic so that's like 18 years and so basically we want to uh we're gonna hold off because we can't decide now does a dog have free reign on your house or how do they how do they control it
1: they um They're allowed everywhere and they shed so much. But the good thing about them is they also vacuum. And um, no, they are, they rule the house basically. And um, one of them was eating dirt recently. So I Googled like, why do dogs eat dirt? And there are three reasons. The first said, Wendy, it's your cooking. (laughs) Um, No, the three reasons are it like helps them feel better. Maybe it's something to do with their stomach. Um, They're bored. And the third reason dogs eat dirt is um, they're dogs. (laughs) So, um, no, but I can't picture my life without them. Although I'm supposed to go to a wedding and we've never let them. We've never left them with
0: anybody that's got to be hard you know because you sit there and it's funny people are more are easier to give that their kids get watched by someone than a dog and you don't i mean when i was growing up yes i mean yeah it's true though but when i was growing up my parents would put our dogs in a kennel but you know kennels have changed i mean maybe back then there wasn't social media so we didn't know everything that's going on but so a lot of people don't want to put their dogs in a kennel but it's thinking it's like how you don't know i mean with a kid you could probably, you know, there's kid cameras and stuff like that. But so how, how, who's going to watch your dogs? Are you, you going to hire someone or are you going to? Because I always see on Facebook people say someone to watch my dogs. And then I guess, you know, if, you, if they do a bad job, you unfriend them. <laughs> what do you do?
1: Well, we have, uh, well, that's so funny because I, um, I have a friend who was going to come visit me. You know, I broke my leg a couple of years ago. So she was going to come visit me. Don't ask me what my train of thought was. but So she was going to come visit me, and but she couldn't afford to take a, an Uber here. So I was going to get her an Uber. And then I had this image, like, what if she messed up or something? And the Uber driver gave her a really low score, and then it would be on my account. Right. <laughs> this happened yesterday. This happened to me yesterday, Steve. I was in an Uber because my car um, was being fixed because rats ate through the wires in the engine. I don't even have a Toyota and apparently Toyotas are the rat car of choice. They prefer to sleep in the engine of the Toyota, the smell smellers. But um, I have a Volkswagen. So this is the second time because I guess I haven't driven my car enough that they ate through the wires. And so I was going over to the dealership to pick up my car and my Uber driver forgot I was in the backseat and he started driving himself home. And I didn't think this was a big deal, but I put it on Facebook and it's like viral. So at one point, like we, it was on the way to the dealership. So I was like, oh, maybe he's taking a shortcut. And then he turns around and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was dancing and singing at the top of my le- No. I was very quiet.
0: It, it's weird. It happened to us. We were on our honeymoon in Croatia. And we took a bus to the downtown. And we were coming back. And, and it stopped at a different stop. We thought, OK, we'll be the next stop. But it kept going, so all of a sudden we're driving to the <laughs> middle of Croatia, and I'm trying to ask the bus driver, you know, what's going on, and he's yelling at me because I'm probably just a stupid American to him. And finally, he just dropped us off, and there's another couple, thank God, that was American because we're like going out and we don't we don't speak the language, and we what actually if they they
1: speak in Croatian. Croatian, Croatia? yeah, uh,
0: and they have their own they have their own money. It's called the kuna. And, um, so they don't take a euro. So if you go to the euros, you're shit out of luck. you have to exchange it. And, uh, and so finally we finally, we got back, but it was scary. Cause you know, at least you, you know, where you were going, us, we're sitting there and we're like, I don't think this is our, our, our place. So, so you mentioned your leg. Let's talk about that. Cause I know you were sidelined for a year, right?
1: Yeah. Even a little bit more because, um, well, I was walking, uh, I got hit by a car while I was walking on my treadmill. Uh, No, I was, it was a matchbox. No, I was walking across Ventura in Van Nuys on the way to lunch. And I suddenly was pinned to a car, and I, I can feel it right now. I was like, she just came out of nowhere. And, um, so my leg was broken and as it healed, they realized that my leg was rotated when they attached it and put the rod in. So you know how like feet go like that? Right. So one of my feet was like that, even though the knee was right. So they had to re-break my leg (laughs) nine months later. And then, so that was another complication. And I always had a good attitude about it. Um, just like, well, I guess that's my life right now. Like, I never got angry, um, but it did sideline me for 14 months.
0: So what is what God. is that like, you know, for, and it's amazing that you stay positive because I would have been like so pissed off. I'd have been like, rah, 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 and then I, you know, I, that's just me. But what what is it like when you're sitting there? I mean, you know, we always, we take so many things for granted, okay? Like me, when I had my heart issue a few years ago, I took it for granted that, you know, my heart was weak, and until it got stronger, I had to walk around with a, basically a man bra with a pocket defibrillator in case I went into cardiac arrest. So you get used to having this thing, and you forget it's there, and you're getting out of the car, and it gets caught on the brake, and you're like, "What the <laughs> fuck? But how, you know, did you have to just relearn how to walk again? Because you were in bed for, a, I mean, I remember, I would see your post, you were in bed for over a year, because both legs were hurt, right?
1: Well, it was one leg... And both feet. So I couldn't walk. I had to use a walker. I have all the equipment I'm going to need later in my life. (laughs) I have the walker. I have the crutches, the boots. Um, It was just challenging. And it made me, as you said, appreciate like being able to walk and go into my closet and take a shower. And so the little... Like I made notes in my head about, um, things I would do when I could walk again. And, um, yeah, so it made me appreciate being able to walk, like not taking that for granted anymore.
0: Now, how are you mentally not being able to perform, which we're going to talk about because this happened again? I mean, you are you got double screwed because you couldn't do it for a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I can get back on stage. And then, boom, we go into the pandemic. But how did you, how was it for you that first time? Because, you know, you've been performing for years. You know, you're used to that outlet, that laughter. What was it like when you sat there and was like, shit, you know, I just, like before, if you wanted to go to a club, if you wanted to go to Flappers, you could just go on stage because you're Wendy Lieben. They, would, they wouldn't they would say, oh, Wendy Lieben, you can't get on stage at two buck yucks in the Yahoo room on a Sunday night at three in the morning. You could never, you know, you would get on. But what was it like when you sat there and you knew that you couldn't get on stage because that has to be a relief for you just because that's your job? So
1: I'm not a comedian who... Like, I know you had Judy Golds on. She was a born performer. <laughs> like, yeah. she needs an audience. She's, she, yeah, she was born with an audience. I feel like I've had so much therapy in my life that that need is less than it was when I was in my 20s. And so I f- find real pleasure in writing jokes and... Um, I did get to perform twice between my leg and the pandemic. I did two shows and the second show I did was at Vitello's. my show locally grown comedy in Studio City and I headlined it and I actually sang because I was in bed for like 14 months and I was like, you know what, I want to sing on stage. So it started that I wanted to Show my husband how appreciative I was for him. I mean, he emptied my fucking pee jar. That, that's four...
0: that's something. Like I'm, I'm stubborn. Like when I was in the hospital, and uh, it was a few weeks ago too. I'm always in the hospital, but I'm one of those people that I. I refuse to use the pee jar because I'm stubborn. I had this big guy next <laughs> to me kept screaming like, "Nurse, nurse!" I'm like, "Shut up! Get up and pee yourself!" I got a fucking pocket defibrillator. Get you know, and I I won't do it. But but for you, you had no choice. Me, I'm like, there's a thing on my arm, and you're like this. The one when I was getting out a few years ago, I went to pee, and my she didn't seal up my arm enough, so I'm peeing, and as I look. There's blood dropping in the toilet, so I think I'm peeing blood, and I think I'm going to die, and I start having a breakdown. I noticed was coming out of my arm.
1: TMI.
0: So, so, um,
1: so I, so I thought I'm going to use this opportunity to thank my husband and sing to him. So I sang in my life, by The Beatles. Um, I had an accompanist, Bill uh, Sinek, who was Neil Diamond's. Um, bass player on his last tour Um, and Bill and I rehearsed and the first song I sang was help because I came out on stage and the lyrics are help me get my feedback on the ground so I opened with help then I sang in my life to my husband Jeffrey then I sang um, a funny song Twisted that Joni Mitchell covered it's about her analyst and so that was uh Bill case said have you ever been in therapy and then I broke into that song and then I ended with uh, with a little help from my friends and everybody sang with me and I thought and then the pandemic hit so I thought if that was my last show that was a great way to go out but then I started doing shows on Zoom which is just another skill set. Tell me tell
0: have. me about that because cause me and Judy talked about that yesterday too. And her experience, it was very funny. Like, of course, you know. But tell me about it because, you know, I, I, I had a friend of mine and Joanne's mom was getting a comedy gig and I didn't want to do it because I don't really perform anymore. Plus, if I suck, they're going to say, wow, Rosa, your <laughs> son in all is an idiot. <laughs> so I got my friend to do it and he actually, like, put up, like, he got a, curtain, his daughter made him a curtain that looked like a brick wall, because, you know, old days, a brick wall, and he had a microphone and everything, and then I see other people say it, they just are doing it like we're doing it. What was your Zoom experience? Because, first of all, yours, it's all in your timing, and you have the brick wall. See that people she put in a blue brick wall, so this is like, this is very, this is the mum and shots comedy club. <laughs> um, what was, what was your What was your experience with it, and did you actually enjoy it, and did it throw your timing off?
1: actually made me slow down and I often would have the my script or the jokes I wanted to tell on the screen and so it was like having a teleprompter which at my age was really helpful because I don't know if you're like me but I forget everything now like I forget Like, I have something called Amazonnesia, and that's when you get a box, and you're like, hmm, what did I order? And then you see what you ordered, and you're like,
0: hmm,
1: I don't remember putting those in my cart. And then, like, apparently one night, I bought six coffee table books um, about, and they were all about minimalism. And... (laughs) I don't even have a coffee table. I'm already minimal. <laughs> but um, what was your question? <laughs> I... It was a skill. And uh, it'll be interesting to perform again and not to be looking at my face. Yeah, Ooh, but... That reminds me. I have a few gray hairs.
0: No, okay. <laughs> no, okay. So you <laughs> have a, the new show. It's coming up with Andy Kindler and, and, and the young... And that didn't take place yet, right? That's coming up.
1: August 6th at the locally grown comedy. I have Andy Kindler headlining and Hannah Einbinder, who is one of the co-stars of the show Hacks with Gene Smart. And I'm going to host. And I started doing, I decided after the pandemic that I um, want to do this on a Saturday or weekend night. This is a Friday night. And um, I already have scheduled September. It's going to be Saturday, September 4th. And I have Tom Papa, who's a phenomenal headliner. But I decided I want to make it a little classier. And so we're doing it on
0: a weekend. Well, you're going, it seems like you're doing less acts. Because before, what was amazing is I would see your post. And the lineups were always stellar. I mean, he always was really... And there was like six or seven people. Which, in all well, honesty... Nothing against L.A., nothing against the Valley. I mean, but you're not—you're not, you're not going to get you nowhere, are you going to get a level of that comic, even for the price, and even your show now with you. I mean, Wendy Liebman's M Sing. I mean, right there, you got a headliner M Sing. You have a girl who's on a, an amazing TV show, and Andy Kindler's Andy Kindler. He's just funny. I mean, you know, Andy. Either people love him, or they just don't don't know what the hell he's talking about. I mean, that what makes that's what makes him so special, and he's brilliant. But it was okay. it was such a great concept when you did it. Why did you start it originally? Just because you didn't want to, you wanted to do something close to your house. Because you moved since I've talked to you, you. You used to live in Studio City, but you moved way out. Because I remember the last time you did Cooper Talk in Studio, you had just moved, and I believe it was Alex. Alex, yeah. you had taken him to the bank. I remember this. I remember your brother, but He had been to the bank, and now he <laughs> plays at, the, at your shows, right?
1: Alex is one of my 2 stepsons, and he um, is a brilliant composer and guitar player, singer-songwriter. And he opens my show at Vitello's. He plays three songs a little bit before the show starts. And he just had a baby. I was going to ask you,
0: so you're a step-grandmother. So what's it like being, I mean, what's it like, you know you're, you're young. I mean, you know, I mean, for me, like when I was five, my grandmother was like 85. You know what I mean? It was one of those right. things. What is it like, you know? And it's like when you sit there and you go, wow, I'm, I'm a grandmother.
1: Well, it feels really weird to be a grandmother because I don't have any kids, <laughs> but I have, um, a stepson. He has a kid and I, I I love it. Like, I've never changed a diaper in my life. My husband's like, don't worry. He'll be changing mine soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just really special because I never had... I couldn't have kids, according to my lease. So I never had um, my own baby. So now I get to have a, a little baby and I get to give her back.
0: Now, will you will you work that into your act at all?
1: I just did. That's it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Wh- why did Why
0: did you start locally grown comedy to begin with? Because you're you're one of those people that you're lucky because you do know so many people in the biz that people and people like you and and so little bit there go they'd yeah. be like oh wow when I'd love to do a show with Wendy. I mean you're you're, you're you have a lot more street cred than you give yourself. You're a legend, but you won't admit that, you know. But, you know, I mean, Jeff Martyr loves you, and I remember you told me Uh, Jeff Martyr gave you Skittles. So I have a good memory.
1: No, Mike and Ike. Mike and Ike, okay.
0: So why why did you start the, uh, why did you start Locally Ground? Was it just something that you wanted a playground for you and your friends, or what was it? Well, I always
1: tell new comics to get on stage as much as humanly possible. And so, and I always say to them, start your own room if you can't get stage time. So um, it was a, it was a conversion. It was like a perfect storm of things that happened. And I lived around the corner from Vitello's. Now Vitello's is famous because it's where Robert Blake allegedly went back to get his gun before he killed his wife or, you know, some, that was the restaurant. And so apparently they put that restaurant up for sale because it was infamous at this point. And the real estate agent bought it, Matt Epstein. And so he turned the Tellos into this really cool restaurant and Brad Rowan, he's the guy in charge of all the food and day to day. And he's like, just made it a great restaurant. So I was walking around one day and I thought, hmm, that would be a great place for a comedy show. I did a comedy show there once. A comedian named Ty Barnett had tried to get a comedy room going. But it's really hard because, you know, comedians, they just want to come and watch. They don't want to buy anything. (laughs) And so um, I guess they were losing money or they weren't making any money. So I said, I'm going to go door to door and hand out flyers. And I literally walked around the neighborhood. I put a flyer in every mailbox. <laughs> and I had comedians, like everybody from George Lopez to Arsenio Hall to Tig Notaro, Eliza Schlesinger, and Nikki Glazer and John Mullaney. They all came at first. And so that, like, built up the credibility of the show. And, um, and I just sold it out month after month. It's just a monthly show, but... Um, I felt like it was a place for comedians in my class or my age group would hang out there. And I, I loved that. I love that. And I, re, I realized over the pandemic, Steve, that part of what I love is a community. And so that's why zoom was okay. Cause I still had a community. I still like getting to people. Um, but yeah, I think we really need community, especially in Cal- in LA. And people come month after month, and they bring friends, and it's just turned into this wonderful
0: experience. And so you get friends. a lot of celebrities in the crowd. Tell me some of the people, so the so the people know. I mean, I know there's. I think Terry Nunn's been there. I mean, I think uh, you name some of the people that go because that's cool because. You know, since moving back to New Jersey, it's weird, because in L.A., you always see celebrities. It's just the way it is. You could be, you know, I mean, I was at a Kmart once, and I saw Elizabeth Perkins buying a washing machine. Okay, so, it, but that's just I've normal. seen
1: Tommy Lee buying throw pillows in
0: bed. <laughs> 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 it's, <laughs> it's true, though. You see stuff. But here, people are like, oh, my God. You know, like a sports figure. Like, oh, my God. Or, you know, they're shooting more movies in Philly. So someone like, oh, my God, we saw... Uh, you know, such and such here, but in LA it's normal. And what's cool is if people come to see your show, like who are some of the people that have been in the audience?
1: So, um, my husband is best friends with Mickey Dolenz from the monkeys. Has he been on your show?
0: No, but I tell him he should.
1: Um, I will, I will. Um, so he and his wife Donna come to the show a lot, and Terry Nunn and her husband Paul Spear come to the show a lot, and um, John Cryer has been to the show, which is the coolest thing. And um, who else, like some uh, I'm blanking, but oh, Fred Melamed has started coming, he's great, and, yeah, and uh, it's just cool. Like,
0: it's our hood. Now, so... you me- you mentioned Hannah, who's going to be on the show, who is Lorraine Newman's daughter, which is just so cool. I didn't know that till I was watching the show. What do you think of Hacks? Me and Joanne absolutely love it. I thought it was really good. But as a comic who you've toured, you've headlined, you've played Vegas, I mean, tell me some of the people you played in Vegas with, because it always amazes me. Like, you see people post these kiosks, and it'll be like, like you know, Wendy Lieben and... Someone that's completely different. It's like someone told me they went to a sh- concert a few years ago, and it was Casey and the Sunshine Band opening for Dave Matthews, which is the most random thing I've ever seen. That
1: is random. But who are I, was- once saw, I once saw In Excess open for Men at Work in the 80s. That's a good show. Yeah, it was great. But um, before I go further, I don't have HBO Max because I can't figure it out getting it on. I can't get the right code on my TV. Maybe one of your listeners can help with that. I've tried everything. So I'm going to watch Hacks on my phone. I haven't watched it yet.
0: You'll like it, but so she's in, of course she's in Vegas, and she's amazing, and it's so funny, because as someone who's done comedy, we know, I mean, you know how it is, comics, we're judgy, you know, it's like, wait a second, that person's not playing a comedian, what the hell, She's, she's not. he's not a comedian, he has a microphone in front of him, we don't do that, we put it behind us, what uh, what, what are some of the people you played in Vegas with, and what was it like as it, as when you first started out in your career performing in Vegas, because it must be intimidating going from comedy clubs to showrooms?
1: Well, it was weird because I had had a day job for the first six years doing stand-up, and then I moved to L.A., and that's when I started going on the road. So it was bizarre. I lived in L.A., but then I started going to Vegas and Reno, and I got to open for bands because my then agent also booked all these bands. So I got to open for Ray Charles, Anne Margaret, Sheena Easton, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, although I think there were only three. Ronnie Millsap, Tanya Tucker, um, Paul, not Paul Anka, um, uh, the other one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, somebody sent me a postcard of a Vegas scene. And on the billboard, it's this is a postcard the billboard it says ray charles opening wendy (laughs) leave postcard so that was surreal uh the first one i did i opened for julio iglesias
0: now what's that like because all these women are there to see julio because he's so sexy muy guapo what is it like for you you go on stage and you have you have great jokes and they're thinking they're probably like we don't want to see a woman, we want to see Julio. What was that like? Were you nervous? Because you probably saw the crowd and went, there was a bunch of ladies in, they probably had the the uh, LeMay, the <laughs> LeMay, sitting there. You
1: know, I don't think they spoke English, so it was just <laughs> a complete misconnect. But I didn't know. Like, I was so, I don't mean young, but new at stand-up, and a little in over my head. Like, I think I could do that now, and really enjoy that but I don't think my agents represent musicians (laughs) but like I got to open for this is one of the things I love about um like I have to pinch myself I got to open for Richard Marx once at the Greek theater and I didn't really I wasn't familiar with his music but now I follow him on Twitter, and he's so political and so great. And I'm like, I got to open for this guy once. He's
0: so and funny, and he's very away. funny.
1: So funny. Um, I once got to do a show in England by uh, it was called the Des O'Connor show, and I guess he's like Merv Griffin, or but he said I discovered Roseanne and. Louis anderson and david letterman and now i'm going to discover you (laughs) and on the show also were richard branson and luther vandross who hated doing talk shows apparently he was always very nervous and so he had flown to england to do this and um i just remember talking to him in the green Room and he was nervous. And then he, of course, did an amazing job. But I pinch myself when I go, I met Richard Virgin Branson in the green room <laughs> over the spread.
0: Exactly. What was it like? I'm going to ask you, what was it like performing at the Greek? Because you're outside, it's a big venue. As a comic, I mean, people don't understand there's something, you know, your time, your timing. And your jokes, you do a lot of jokes. And so the timing is very important for you. But when you're sitting there and, you you know, when you work a lot of clubs, you know the laugh time. You know, like, on a good laugh, it's going to roll for so many seconds and you, you might get an applause break. But outside, it's not like a comedy club where the laughs go up to the ceiling and hit and fall. Outside, they just keep going up like a balloon. You know, they're like one of those balloons you see. And there's so many people at the Greek what was that like? I mean, I, I, don't, you know, I don't really get to talk to people who performed outside in a venue that, I don't know, the Greek probably holds 14,000, I'm not even sure, but what was that like?
1: I believe it was only 5,000, but still. And then I've done two other shows with that many people. Um, one was also outside in front of 5,000 people I was opening for Bob Hope. And then the third was at the Boston Garden. I was doing comics, Come Home with Dennis Leary um, and Lenny Clark and Wanda Sykes. But, um, yeah, it's a strange experience because what we do as comedians is we listen to the audience. Or I do. I listen to them. But at the time that I was opening for Richard Marks, I don't think I had that yet like that i need to listen to the audience so i think i just kept talking but when i opened for bob hope it was more of a like i think it was jerry seinfeld who says it's like a conversation where the audience's part is just laughing and so um yeah i had to be slower slower i don't remember the greek i just was like so in over my head i wish i could do it now (laughs) Because I think I would get it now. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah,
0: well, because you're mature. And when you're... It's like, well, you know, I mean, you, you're you a comic. You know how it is. Like, if you talk to any young comic that's been doing it for two years, oh, I, got, I got a tight 45 minutes. No, you know. No, you know. They always say, it. it's like, until you do that 45 minutes and nobody laughs, and then all of a sudden you have seven minutes. And then you're sitting there going, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you know, that would happen. Now, I want to ask you how... You have so many jokes, okay, and... How do you remember them all and do you keep them in the same order when you do like let's say two shows on a weekend? Do you do the same show with the same order? Because I would think if you didn't, it would be very hard in your memory because you probably do if you're doing a forty five minute set, what do you think? You do a hundred jokes?
1: Whatever it is, it's crazy and I have I haven't performed in a while, but I do remember being on the road in Florida, Davies, Florida, and I repeated jokes in the same show. <laughs> like, I thought I had done them in the previous show, but it's, I had done them prior in the set. So... Um, yeah, it's a good thing I'm a comedian, because then I just make a joke about that. But um, it's a really good question. Like, how do I remember? That's why I appreciated having the teleprompter computer um, during the, my Zoom shows. I This head is like, it's a jumble of jokes.
0: Now, you write a lot of jokes, and I think it's, it's been great that on Facebook you've been saying, you've been asking for advice, okay, and you say, what do you think's better? And that, that to me, shows someone that's very confident in their body of work and, and knows that, hey, you know what, I will take input. The only thing I hate is, and, and you probably get this, especially because you, know, you write some killer tweets and killer jokes, and I don't think it happens as much on Twitter, but it happens on Facebook. Let's say you write a joke, and I've done this where I've written a joke. And someone who's not funny always tries to tag it and make it funnier. And it, it sort of gets annoying. I mean, and I'm no Wendy Liebman. So for me, I would never sit there and go, "If I if, if you, put, I think I sent you a message one time, maybe you should try this. Because I wouldn't just put like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm so great I can correct Wendy Liebman. I would send you a message and go, hey, this might work. But does that ever irritate you when people try to punch up your joke when you're like dude I've been on the Tonight t- show I've been on TV Is it ever I mean if it's if it's not a comedian if it's a comedian and it's a friend I understand but when you get some random schmuck who just sits there and writes like oh yeah and the balloon flew and you're like what the f- does that ever get you irritated
1: I I love it all Steve I appreciate it all like I I know what you mean about like there are a few people who write to me on Twitter with random jokes and then they tag me and I'm like, block. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I recently put on Facebook, I said, which is funnier? And so can I give your audience an example? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the joke is I just read a book called The Power of Silence. It works! But um, then I thought maybe it's funnier if I don't pause and say I just read a book called The Power of Silence and I didn't really get it and, you know, just keep talking and... Like, that I didn't get it. And I wanted to know which was funnier, if I stopped or if I didn't stop.
0: What was your result? Because I'm going to give you my input. I think, and I think I put this on your page, I think one is funnier. And the reason is because, you know, when I started doing comedy, and, and, you know, everyone, we're, were, we should be students of comedy. And what, what made Jack Benny was so funny is he would just sit there and not say a word, and silence is funny, and it makes people uncomfortable, but it's funny, and so for me, that's funny, and when people, you can't see it because this is audio, but she was just sitting there and fumbling around a little bit, and then she said it works. For me, in a live setting, that in my eyes would work better because it's just that silence, and then boom. What was the results on uh, Facebook? Was it it 50-50 or...
1: It was pretty much that in writing, like if I was reading that joke, the second one. But in live performing, take that moment, and then if somebody starts laughing during the silence, I I bring my finger to my lips and I go, Shh, and really play on it, <laughs> um, and look at my watch and tweet and you know do do a few things um, but yeah so the the result was number one you're right that's that's what I figured would work
0: now that's, I want to ask you I know we've talked about this before but I, I want I, it's been so long and I love talking to comics about this tell me about your first tonight show appearance because you know i like I'm, I'm good friends with Jeff Marner Jeff can tell me that story a hundred times Rich Shiner can tell me this story a hundred times because as a comedy lover it's just so fascinating and and I try to explain to younger people i'm so old i'm like i'm I'm 57 i'm going on 65 80 i'm like younger people but i try to explain to people that when you did the tonight show back you know in the day your whole career would change i mean tom treason says he went from sleeping in his car doing the tonight show and getting signed by william morris and getting shipped to vegas and just performing tell me about the lead up and the experience for your first tonight show
1: well, first of all, I saw Rich Scheidner the other night on it, on the pilot of Married with Children. Was he a, like a regular cast member?
0: He was a recurring for a little bit where he played uh, a shoe salesman who worked with Al Bundy. And he has an episode where he comes in, Al comes to his apartment, and there's two hot blondes with Rich Scheidner, which we on those shoe salesman pull girls. And one of them was Jerry Hall. So it's like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. So, But yeah, so he was he was on it a few times.
1: Um, my first time on The Tonight Show, I had been performing just for six years while doing my day job as an administrative assistant. And the guy from The Tonight Show, uh, Jim McCauley, saw me perform at the Improv in uh, L.A. And he was like, would you like to do The Tonight Show? So I said, yeah, of course. So I flew back to Boston because I had a day job. And then I came back a week later and I had two friends with me. And the whole experience was like a hologram. A hologram. Like I just, my heart was outside of me. Like it was beating so hard. And... After the show, you know, when Johnny gives you the AOK sign, your career is supposed to be made. Well, he gave me the sign, but it wasn't caught on camera. And so I really was depressed about that. Um, and he heard about that. And he and Ed McMahon came to my dressing room after the show and said, you'll have to come back. Uh, I never did get to go back but um, my memory of them in my dressing room was that both of them were really tall (laughs) and it didn't change my career overnight because as you said before I didn't have 45 minutes of material I had just really started I also want to say that I'm at a point in my life now where I feel like I've been very careful with my jokes now, but now I'm just like, now I want to, I want to perform again. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like I'm just starting now. I'm building back better.
0: Now, you're, did you feel that the, the layoff threw you, threw you off? Because, you know, it's a matter of, it's like anything. And, you know, people can say anything's like riding a bike. But I'm going to tell you something. If I get on a (laughs) bike right now, I'm falling over. I don't, I mean, I'm older. I've lost coordination. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I I wouldn't even want to. I mean, Joanne would probably. You're
1: defibrillator.
0: Exactly. Joanne would probably pay like 20 bucks to see me try to get on a bike and laugh about it. Because she, she laughs when I get up. I have a thing with my foot and it's my father happened. It happened to him a lot. And. We, he would say his instep went out of place. So Joanne's like, your instep can't go out of a place. It's a cramp. And every once in a while, my foot will start hurting. I'll st- I have to step on a cold floor. And she goes, what are you doing? I goes, my instep went out of place. And it's the funniest thing to her. And she just starts laughing at me. And so I have, you know, for me, getting on a bike would be forget about it. But for you, are you nervous now? Are you, are you nervous for the, is your first show back going to be Homegrown Comedy?
1: I am just going to ride my stationary bike. Um, No. Um, Yes, locally grown comedy is going, it's not going to be my first show back, no. I did a show the other night outside in somebody's backyard, Uh, Sarah Taylor and Samantha Hale. They run yard work. And it was so much fun. But I did have to bring notes on stage. But I'm getting ready to do a taping called Women, Funny Women of a Certain Age, that Carol Montgomery, she is the producer and mastermind of this whole series. This is going to be the third taping. The first two were aired on Showtime. And um, I'm taping that in at the end of this month in Irvine, uh, the Irvine Improv, July 20th. And so I'm getting ready for that show. And then I'm going to do locally grown comedy, uh, on
0: 6. Now do you already know the material once again you have such a vast array of jokes a huge amount and you know the ones that really work well are you do you know what you're going to do for the the taping do you are have you been working on it like are you still at the eight, are you still at the point because you have the long layoff between the leg and the COVID do you Do you still, like, practice in front of a mirror? Do you still practice, or do you just sit there and read it and think, I can do it?
1: I am agonizing over this set. Not agonizing. I'm just really trying to make it work. So right now I have about eight opening jokes, and I don't know which to use. Can I run them by you?
0: Yeah. This is just your opener.
1: My opener. Okay. Um. I should have brought my ring light. <laughs> I'm having a bad hair year. Someone just hugged me so hard. I'm going to skip my next mammogram. My husband just told me I looked really pretty. I'm like, please don't sound so surprised. I'm really paying for last night. Actually paying. I bought too much on Amazon. I, I have a few more. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I, I have my favorite so far. Okay, I just found out that I'm dying. I don't know how or when or why, but um, I love that new clothes smell. Wait, I have three more. Um, No, just one more, but this is a long one. Oh, I see one of my friends from summer camp because she's really coming to the show. She's coming to the taping in Irvine. We went to a camp called Try Woody. Our parents actually sent us to a place for eight weeks called Try Woody. At this camp, I got caught smoking cigarettes. And my punishment was I had to tell my mom and dad. So I wrote them a letter and I added P.S. I also smoked pot and I really liked it. And my parents were like, well, at least she was only trying weed.
0: (laughs) I, I like the mammogram one. Okay. And I like the ring light, but my only thing with that is you have to know Zoom and entertainment to know what a ring light is. If, you know, I if, know. If you have business, like on a Zoom show, that would, standing out. But it's it's funny, you know, you're the one, your last one is longer. And I think for you, everyone's used to your cadence and your delivery and your misdirection, and I would like to see you do longer jokes, I think would be something I think you're going to probably do. Like the to... last
1: thing I do, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, but to open with that, I think that's more of like a part of the middle, because opening, people, you know, it's something that people understand. Like, we talked about Judy Gold. If you go to see Judy Gold, you expect her to be loud, okay? I think Julia Scotty taped one of those shows. If you go see Julia, you expect her to be loud. You know, there's certain people, you expect certain things. For you, people know your material, and your material is so strong. They think to start off, you would start off on the, the one, the dying one. Uh, the dying one's good, too.
1: Oh, it is?
0: I think that's funny. Just See,
1: I think maybe for a special. Okay. Maybe well. for, like, my own special. But I, like, love that joke, but I think it's so weird.
0: But that's good. But the thing is, you know, I mean, where what direction do you want to take your acting now? Like, has your writing style changed? And I mean, the cadence and all hasn't. But your your thought process for what you write is that different now? Are you you feel like you're you know, as you get older and wiser, you can you can put that wisdom in jokes that have your cadence and your misdirection.
1: The difference now is that I have a little more confidence, and so I feel like I can take. A little bit more of a chance and tell a joke that's a little bit longer and it doesn't necessarily have to get like an applause break or I feel a little freer like I've earned the time my biggest fear is I don't want to waste somebody's time because I think that's everybody has a certain amount of time and I don't want to waste yours so yeah I that's why I think like the economy of words and quick to get to the punchline but i feel like okay maybe i can take a little bit more time i have one more opening joke to try okay so i just had six inches cut off my hair by a really bad sushi chef that's the joke
0: (laughs) i don't get it i'm sorry
1: (laughs) really well i will get i'm thinking about getting my hair cut so i just got my hair cut by a really bad sushi chef like by accident okay my ex a benihana
0: chef um now um so so how often do you write these days do you or is it are you just someone where it pops in your mind and you go oh that's funny or do you do you sit down some people are very disciplined which i could never do it i would think of stuff when i was driving and then i always thought you know I would be afraid to write it down because I'd drive off the road. Like, And then the people said, bring the tape recorder. But I don't want to grab the tape recorder. And then, I'm you know, just, you know. But how do you, how do, what's your writing process these days? And has it been the same so, over the years?
1: I listen to my husband talk in the middle, like in his sleep, and I write everything down, and then I try it on tape. <laughs> no. Um, it's changed over the years. Like, Judy and I, Judy Goldton and I used to have where we would write five jokes a day. We made each other write, jokes. Now it's more like things that really happened. Like I bought a pair of sneakers over the internet and they fit perfectly. It's like, oh my God, it's a miracle. So, and then I'll try to make that into a joke. Um, but I've been writing other things too, like essays and I'm writing a, a, a musical, like a stage play. So I'm writing a lot. And, oh, this is interesting. This has been happening lately. So I've been writing on Twitter, and people will write to me, and I'll write back to them, and I feel like that helps my creative juices. And so I'm much more open to just really being this funny person Um, and not so not thinking of myself as so precious like that each joke has to be perfect or like so i'm opening myself up
0: well what made you decide to write a musical is because i mean people if you know know uh wendy's husband jeff is uh well his father's a legend i mean you know it's so funny i always whenever i see a question i'll put it and i'll put it on a jeff's well, a wall on facebook because we get we get jeopardy three hours earlier than you guys and there's there's always like and people hit his father always. and his father's brother wrote Spoonful. she'll go all these great things and it's always on jeopardy i don't know what it is and so it's one of those things i and know so, so did he did i know i know your mom plays the drums and you know and she her mom played the drums on our hbo special she well. um and now did you always want to write a musical or since you have been with jeff has That brought it out because he's also musically inclined. And as your stepson is very musically inclined, has that added to why you want to write a musical?
1: So my husband is actually, I think my husband is a musical genius. And he writes all the time. And so he inspires me daily. I honestly I wrote these four melodies about 15 years ago. And I've played the piano my whole life, but I'm not formally trained and I can't read notes, but I can trans, I can like play something by ear if I have the music, not by ear. If I have the music in front of me, the guitar chords, I can play it on the piano if I know the song. And, but these four songs came to me, I swear, I don't remember writing them, Steve. And then I started writing this musical about three stand-up comedians in Las Vegas over Valentine's Day in 2017, right after Trump was elected. And one of the comedians is political, and it's all of their love stories. And I'm having so much fun writing this. It's like... I feel part of me feels like that's why I traveled for all these years is so I could get it so I could write this. So
0: So when yeah. you get done with it, are you gonna put it on Vitellos? Because you got the stage space? And you have the it's music a, you have the music to play. You have Alex and you have Jeff.
1: It's a big production. Like it's it's the airport, people running through the airport and the luggage carousel. It's the stages. It's them being on a zip line. It's, like, complicated. Okay. So <laughs> I don't think <laughs> well, we but did, we did but we could do it. a reading there. And and now, now and what are the essays? There.
0: What are your essays about?
1: Well, I just wrote this one piece, and coincidentally, it was um, it's called Opening Up. And it's now that uh, comedy clubs are opening again, I I was suggesting 10 opening jokes that you could use. And so the essay is the jokes, but then I devolve into this like really personal thing. So I'm opening up too, about my life. And uh, it's just humorous and I've never written anything like it before. And it just came out of me. And like all this time that I feel like I have writer's block it was like oh my god this is coming out of me i'm not thinking about it it was a different experience than when i sit down to make myself write and i don't know how to explain it is it is it
0: harder for you to open up if it's more about you for the fact that as comics we tell jokes and even if even if it's about us it can still there's still a punchline, but I've talked to people who you know have written short stories or semi-autobiography. Or I talked to guests who have written books about their lives, and you're opening up, and there's a certain vulnerability, whether if they're a musician or a comedian, because they always have that, you have that guise of the stage stage in front of you. Is it is it? Do you get nervous when you open up, and do you, are you sometimes a little afraid to share that because if someone doesn't like it it's not like if they don't like a joke you can go "Oh fuck it it's a joke but this it's like no no hey asshole this happened to me and it's my life i mean what's your what's your psyche on that
1: my take is people don't remember details they just remember that i opened up and so they appreciate that does that make sense yeah totally so maybe i'm projecting i don't remember details (laughs) But I really don't think people care that much.
0: You'd be surprised. You'd be really? Sur- You'd be surprised. Oh,
1: You'd- I think I know what you're talking about. So,
0: anyway. Okay. What's in your future, Wendy? What, what's coming up besides the show? Uh, what else? You have, you have the taping. You have the comedy show. Are you planning any uh, tour dates? Don't, didn't you used to always do that date up in San Francisco with Kathy Ladman around Christmas? It was... Uh, Wasn't there some show you guys? Oh, the
1: Kung Pao comedy. Yeah, do
0: you plan to do that this year?
1: I don't have that on the books. Um, I really am just looking forward to, I feel very hopeful. I feel there are a lot of possibilities. And this is going to sound so dumb, but, I feel like the last thing I need to do before everything else is clean out my garage. (laughs) So that's what I that's what I have to do, Steve, in the near future is clean up the
0: garage. Well, there you go, people. And and if you <laughs> you know if when she that's a side business, you can go to town to do shows, and you can go people help their clean their garage out, and you can you can charge like two thousand a pop, and they'll go. We love when they leave and tell us oh, some jokes. Way. You have a microphone. You'll take oh, off a, a thing off the shelf, and you put it here, and then you tell a joke, and you make two thousand oh, dollars.
1: My that's God, good... did you read that book, The Life Changing Magic of Tidying up. My no. housekeeper gave that to me.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> now, see, that's a good opening line.
1: Well, I have that in the middle.
0: Okay, it's a good line. So, anyway, I want, I'm so glad you could come on, Wendy. Um, now, I love
1: you so much, Steve Cooper. Thank you.
0: I'm, I'm glad. I, it's so funny. I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? And you forget, as I said, because you know, since I said, since I've last seen you, I was thinking about it today, and I was saying, since I've last seen, talked to Wendy, here's what's happened. You broke both feet in your leg, and you got your leg rebroken. You got two new dogs. Became step uh, step grandmother. You were stuck in a pandemic, and now you're taking a special me. I've almost died. I've had uh, I had a few hard things. I got married. I went to Croatia. I I you know everything is so much weirder. It's only four years, but it seems like a lifetime. But I think that's what happened. Is a lot of people. You know, during the pandemic, they shut down. We shut down because we didn't go out. You know, but I, I kept productive. You know, I mean, I worked from the house. You know, right. Joanne ended up working from the house. And when we first could go out, when we were both vaccinated, it was beautiful. I got vaccinated before her, so I was going to the strip clubs, and no, uh, I was. I, <laughs> as soon as you. We yeah, got, were
1: they vaccinated?
0: Exactly. As soon as we got vaccinated, it's funny. <laughs> her two weeks was up, and we went to our little sushi place, and it was great. And and that's the one thing I've noticed that. Everyone is, um, and you've probably seen this, everyone's just happy again. Like, we went through so much shit, and I think, you know, all the political turmoil was also impacted because we were home. And it was, you know, the vaccine and this and, it, and it's fake and this and this. But then all of a sudden it started opening up. We went to a Yankees-Phillies game and my buddy's girlfriend's from New York. And she was worried, like, I'm a Yankees fan. But everyone was like, there was Yankees fans and there's Philly fans. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we're out. We're vaccinated. And it's just been amazing. And I'm wondering, I want to talk to you after you start doing more comedy shows to see what the crowds are like. If they're, if they're happy to be out and they're just eager to laugh.
1: I have a feeling, uh, that's what I've been hearing, is that audiences are, you know, they're backed up. They have a lot of laughter in them, so um, I'm excited, because I do think, even though the capacity in the clubs is less, I think the laughter will be just billowing. I'm excited about it. Well, that's awesome.
0: Now, Wendy, what's uh, what's your Twitter?
1: My Twitter is Wendy Liebman. L
0: I E B M A N. And your website is Wendy It is. dot com. And you're is. sitting there like this in the updated. Cover. And well you need updated. And so people, please go check out Wendy. Just even you know, go to YouTube and watch your old stand up if you wanna laugh. Uh, uh, something I I'm, you're gonna kill me. It's something short. your 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 showtime special was called Oh
1: my showtime special is called Taller on TV.
0: And And that's
1: where my mother played the drums.
0: So people, go look at Wendy. Go watch her act. She's a a legend. And uh, people, go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find over 860 episodes. Email me, Cooper, at coopertalk.net. Twitter, I'm at coopertalk. Instagram, I'm coopertalk1. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.